is it that you crave out of life? What are the main desires you have for a life well-lived? As a follower of Jesus, what is the life God has always wanted for you? In this message series, we'll explore Trinity's six core values. This week, we'll focus on your calling is to influence your world with Jesus. We represent Jesus in all that we are and do. We will partner with you to reach your world in this you are not alone. Our desire is that through living exemplary lives, demonstrating his love and sharing the good news, people will be convinced to know, love, and follow Jesus. These are the things that we care about most and how they might lead to the life we've always wanted. Hey, good morning, Trinity family. It's great to be here together, yes? Yeah. So I've told you this before, that when I speak, I'm very insecure. I need feedback from the audience. Otherwise, I'm like, oh my gosh, get me off the stage. So I want to talk with you about a core value. When we got together with a bunch of people and we said, look, we got these six core values. Who's going to speak on what? I asked to speak on this one. I'm so excited about this one because it's about teamwork. I love doing this together with you. We've done it together for a couple of years now. And I love what we got coming in front of us. So this core value, you'll see it if you've got the notes. The notes are either in the back in written form, printed form, I should say, or it's on your app. And you'll see the sermon notes. Look, I'm going to talk about things today that are so amazing. You're going to want to take notes. Yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> Kaboom. Plop. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about our core value that says your calling is to influence your world with Jesus. Let's talk about that for a minute. We, um, and we're going to have some friends that are joining us here in a few minutes. So think about this. You get to represent Jesus Christ to the people in your world. Wow, that's a big task, right? You get to influence them in a lot of ways, and we're going to talk about those ways in just a minute here. But I want you to think with me for a minute. Imagine with me that Jesus is sitting here with us, and he says, look, now, you, the job is yours now. Go out and represent my words, my actions, my kingdom to the world. That's what this calling is all about. And that's for all of us. So let's talk for a minute here about the key word in that is the word influence. I want to talk today about intentional influence. You're going to hear the word intentional a lot of times, but that's what this is all about. So in an influencer today, some of you younger people know what's an influencer? They're on, they're on YouTube, they're on all these different places, and influencers all of a sudden become rich if they're good. They become known, they have an identity, and they become famous. They become known to people. So uh, I want to talk about what Jesus has already done in our life. Think about those three things. They want to become rich. We just walked through 2 Corinthians, and in chapter 8, verse 9, he says that he became poor so that we might become rich. We're already rich. Secondly, that we might be known, I have an identity. We are known as Christians. What does that mean? That means little Christs. That means followers of Jesus Christ himself. We're known as the children of God. How much better idea is there than that, right? Right. right. We got the wealth. We got the identity. And thirdly, we want to become known. We are known by God himself. He knows everything about us. I used to think it was so amazing when God talked about that. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Eh, not such a big deal anymore. But, 
we, how awesome is it that he knows everything about us and still loves us, still wants us? That's an influencer. So we're influencers already. So let's talk about what we think of as influencers in our world. First of all, media. So you look at the media here, internet, radio, magazines, television, newspapers, all those, newspaper, what's that? I don't know what that is. And so you see all of those, and they're constantly blah, 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 blah in our lives. You think about them as influencers. You think about politics. By the way, I love this slide. Look at this slide of politics, a heart between them. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, there's so much love between those two groups. And we think about them as influencers. We think about all these other people in our world, and they're famous people or whatever, they're influencers. You think about him as Christians. We think about Greg Laurie. I'm in mean, good grief. He does amazing things, right? He is an, he's an influencer. So are we. So when I think of influencers, I think of a lady that I know very well named Diane Springstead, my wife. So when I think of her, look at this. She's on the left there. She influences these 12 people. And she influences them by loving them, serving them, caring for them, sharing Jesus with them all the time. Big influence. But she's also influencing right now our second and third grade kids that are here. She and Dina Pugh, they team up together. And the rest of the kids' ministry team, they're influencing those kids. And they're influencing their parents because that's who they're partnering with is their parents. And so she's also an influence in our neighborhood. She was an influence for years and years where she worked, where she worked as a, a, in a dentist's office. My wife, praise God, saw two of her friends turn to the Lord Jesus while she worked there. She's a big influencer. She's got a lot of people in her world. I'll tell you who's not an influencer, this guy. We think of him as an influencer, but the truth is survey after survey shows that the big influences on our lives are the people that we do life with. That's who actually influences us. And so when we think about them, that's you, that's y'all. I said y'all because I kept hearing Josh Lee say y'all this morning. <laughs> Is he from the South or something? I'm like, what? So uh, at least I spent three years in Dallas. So let me talk about the five influences that God has called all of us to be. First of all, this is big ways to think. First of all, is the way we love one another. When I first met young adults who loved each other in such an extraordinary way, I knew I wasn't a part of that group. I wanted in. Secondly, we're not only by our love for one another, but our unity. I became a part of a church of about, I was about 20, a church where they were worshiping God together, and on my right was a guy wearing a suit and a tie, on my left was a guy wearing shorts and no shoes. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. These people all have this same passion to worship Jesus. They can't wait to hear the word of God. They can't wait to pray and see what God's doing in their world. That's unity, and that's us. That's one of the big ways that we influence our world. Third way, though, and you know this, it's by how you live. If you live with holiness, we look different than the rest of the world. The word holiness means to be set apart. We're different than the world. Our values are different, and we're talking about them right now. Th fourthly, is we make a huge influence on in our world by making disciples. Here's what happens. But Hopkins, several other people influence my life. I, I grow to follow the Lord Jesus. Now I'm influencing other people. By making disciples, we're influencing our world. But fifth, and it's a part of making disciples, is by sharing the gospel. 
by sharing the gospel, we are changing the world. We're, we're helping people to know that there's a whole kingdom of Jesus Christ that people can be a part of. And so those are five very specific ways you and I, all of us are called to influence our world. How do we do that? Well, I'll tell you, we do it with different styles. One of the things it took me a while to figure out is I don't have, I used to have an office next to Rick Langer. Some of you know who he is, amazing, brilliant guy. He can answer every question. And I'm thinking, and then there's me. Hmm, oh well, what do I got that I can contribute? Let me share with you five styles that you probably have one of them. And I think I listed them there for. Did I put it in the notes? Okay. The first style is? Server. Absolutely. You all know people that are like this. Your neighbor's got something broken. They're there to help fix it. You've got a friend who's sick. They're there. They're going to bring something over to their house. They're always serving people. It's a style. If this is you, you're amazing influence in people's lives when you're serving like that. That's who you are. The second style is called by a lot of names. It's called in contact or direct. What that means is, is that you are everybody that you're around. You're going to tell them about Jesus. That's just who you are. Not in an obnoxious way, but every conversation comes about like it reminds you of the character of God. And you're just going to talk about him wherever you go. That's your style. And some of you are like that. I've been in line at Stater Brothers a number of times and heard people say, yeah, I was doing this and yeah, and then God reminded me and this and that. And I'm like, they're in line at the grocery store and talking. That's who they are. They just are, they want to, they can't say enough about Jesus. The third style is a style that maybe you're not used to, but we're going to call it an intellectual style. And some of you in the audience here have this style. You can talk about the tough things. You can talk about things like philosophy. You can talk about the existence of God. You can talk about how do we answer the questions from science and things like that. That's your style. You love to engage in that. And I know some of you in here, and you know that's who you are. And I'm so thankful for you. You write the books. You help us know how to answer the tough questions. The fourth style is, I said, I called it relational, but really it's kind of maybe more invitational. This is who you are. Everywhere you go, you're always inviting people. You're, you're just a bringer. And so if we have an event, you're going to have people that come with you. That's just who you are. And I love that. And, that, and, I, and then the last one is maybe a style that you hadn't thought about, which number five on the list is what? Yeah, testimonial. So everybody in here knows somebody who that's their style. They're so thrilled with what God has done in their life that they're going to tell people about it. It could be that God has broken an addiction in your life. Maybe God saved your marriage. Maybe God helped your kids in some way. You're just going to be telling people all the time your testimony, your story. I love it that that's what God does. Let me talk about one more thing here for a second. And I'm super thirsty. I'm going to grab my cup of water here. I think that a lot of us know people who this has happened in their lives, but I've heard hundreds and hundreds of testimonies through the year. When I taught the baptism class, every single person in there always told me their story. It was one of the most privileges I have in my life. It was an awesome time. And so I would hear people story after story and two things were always true. Somebody was praying, and multiple people were influencing their lives to help them come to Christ. Every time. 
So I want to encourage you to remember this, that it's always, we're always a part of somebody's life, helping them to come to know Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. Look at this guy on the screen here. His name's Brad. That's my nephew. He's 38 years old. Four weeks ago, Brad and his wife were on vacation at the beach, falls on the floor in the hotel room, just lays there, and his wife's like, what has happened? She runs over to him, there's no heartbeat. She's like, oh my gosh. She, so Elodie, his wife, jumps on him, she starts doing compressions, and she's calling 911, doing compressions for 20 minutes. The first responders get there, 22 more minutes of, of doing compressions on him, and they hit him with a paddle four times. Finally, they get a heartbeat. They rush him to the hospital. The emergency team there at the hospital starts just doing whatever they need to do as fast as they can, trying to save Brad, 38 years old, super fit kid, eats great, does all the things right, no heart work, no heart rhythm. They rush him into surgery. They put in stints in his heart. Then they get him out of surgery. They put him in a coma, and then they can't get him out of the coma. Finally, that team works and works and gets him back out of the coma. And Brad pretty much looks about like Brad looks right now. He's back, he's growing, he's getting healthier all the time. Let me ask you a question. Who saved Brad? Was it his wife, Elodie? What about the first responders? What about the emergency team at the hospital? What about the surgeon? What about the team that helped him come out of a coma? Who saved Brad? The answer is, they all did, right? And that's very much how our lives are, all of us. That's how God saved us, was through multiple people. So when we talk about being on mission, when we talk about being an influence in the people of our world, there's gonna be lots of different people that are gonna be influencing the people in your world. So I want you to think about your style. I want you to think about being intentional, knowing that God is using you as a part of that. So I wanna walk through the Apostle Paul's intentional lifestyle. And this comes in the book of Colossians, chapter four. So if you would, turn in your Bibles. And uh, Doug told me that I hope you did bring your Bible with you today. Oh boy, I didn't say it like you did. Open up your Bible, I hope you have, I don't even know how he says it, you know what I mean. And so um, in chapter four, verses two, here's what Paul says, he's walking through what it looks like for him to have open doors for the gospel. And so chapter four, verse two, he says this, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful with thanks, being with thanksgiving, being thankful. Then he says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for the message that, uh, that for the, I'm gonna say it wrong here. I, I, it's a little bit different than, my, than I have. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And then he goes on to say how we're supposed to act. He says, um, pray that, that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I want to stop there for a second. This is Paul. Paul's asking us to pray that he prays the message clearly. So you and I, many times we think, man, God, I don't know what words to say. I, I'm afraid if I get in a conversation with someone, they'll ask questions I can't answer. We pray, and then God's going to help us answer what we need to answer. So now let's look at the next verses. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Then notice that he tells us how to speak. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, 
seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So this is Paul telling you his intentional lifestyle. He prays, then he's on watch. What is he watching for? He's watching for open doors. He's watching for opportunities. He prays, he watches, he's thankful because God is working, always, always working. And then when God does open a door, he's ready, he's prepared, because he knows that the message that God has given to him, given to us. Then the next thing he tells us is to be wise, have wisdom in the way we act toward outsiders. That means don't be obnoxious, don't be rude, don't be selfish. Listen well and be wise. And then last of all, he says, let your speech be filled with grace. Guys, you know this, that if we come at people judgmental, if we come at people harsh, if we come at people like we've got it and you don't, that's not grace-filled speech. And so this is Paul's intentional lifestyle. Chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, has been something that has really changed my life. I realize I can do this. Now, I've invited four friends, three friends, to join us, four friends. Is there somebody else going to come up here today? <laughs> three friends uh, to come up. Come on up, guys. So this is Linda Rittenhouse, Randall Buffum, and you know Sherry Skubik, Director of Women's Ministries here. Can you welcome them today, guys? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about being intentional, being intentional about influence in the people in our world. And so each of them, I've already, trust me, I'm, you're going to go, well, I'm look at these guys, they're stars, right? I don't think they think of themselves that way. I think that they are just, just like you and I, they want to live intentional lifestyles. And so I want to ask them some questions. We're going to walk through, we're going to talk some stories, and I want to just begin by asking them to share a little bit about what motivates you. What kind of encourages you to be intentional in your life? This is going to be the hard part because <laughs> as we stand here and sit here, we said we would be led by the Spirit this morning, and doing that, Steve, is a challenge because when we're in front of the audience, we want to have a word that will minister to your heart, but we really have to trust that the Holy Spirit is doing that. So I would say the intentionality is just to be prayerful and watchful. Almost the Colossians 4 is the way that I like to do life is to say, I'm always ready to have a word on my mouth. Mm. And that's part of the intentionality. Absolutely. It is. I think for me, you asked about um, what motivates me. I think one of the things is knowing that people are going to hell without Jesus. And, um, and so, you know, as I love people and want to see them in heaven, it motivates me to want to share with them. Mm. Yeah, that's the compassion, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have probably been through a lot of different motivations in my life, and none of them have really been good. Um, <laughs> you know, like there was a, a season where I was really excited about my salvation, and so 
it just bubbled over and that was great. Yeah. But that didn't last long and, mm. and I went through a lot of training that kind of guilted me into sharing the gospel. Mm. I mean, I, I knew, yeah. you know, even the song we sang today said, you know, the last words of Christ were telling us to go and make disciples. And so I knew that, you know, I tried to should myself into being an influencer for Christ, and that didn't work too well. I mean, I even did door knocking. That was really fun, and invited other people to come door knocking with me. <laughs> and how many people came? Yeah. To door knock with me? Yeah, your wife and who else? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> this is back in college days, so yeah. It, we, we did some stuff. I'm not sure there were really good results, but yeah. you, the verse I would quote for my motivation is um, Acts 4.20. And it says, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Mm. And, and I, I really, that's my prayer, is that when, when I'm in a situation the nudge of the Holy Spirit is so strong, and and the and the presence of God in me is so palpable that I can't help but speak. Mm. Very nice, thank you. Mm. Yeah, I love that because I think that's what motivates me. Um, one of my favorite verses is Matthew six thirty three: Seek first the kingdom of God and then these things will be added to you. And if I'm looking to Jesus first, then hopefully, because it's scary, I don't love being up front <laughs> and being on the stage, but I also have compassion and love for you all, that it makes it worthwhile. When I go around greeting in the morning, it's because I wanna know how you are and what God's doing in your lives. It's not for any other reason, just to show the love of Jesus. And I think if we show the love of Jesus, that's what people are attracted to because we can't we can't give it if we, we can only give it in part but when we start living it out and allowing god to fill us up and to allow rivers of living water to flow out of us that's what makes life worthwhile yeah that's what makes us want to share the joy of our salvation Linda, I know that you work at the Pregnancy and Family Resource Center downtown, and that's been intentional on your part to be there. What's it like for you when you walk in and you don't know who you're going to meet that day? What, what, what's, what, what's, what's happening with you at that time? Well, uh, each, each time I go to the Pregnancy Center, uh, on my way there, I always pray that um, God will give me uh, boldness to speak his words uh, because naturally I tend to be uh, more shy and reserved I don't like to make waves mm -hmm. things like that so I always pray that God will give me boldness to speak what he wants me to speak mm -hmm. and uh, just to take advantage of that opportunity I have um, to share the gospel with these girls and um, Sometimes I think, you know, this could be their only opportunity to hear the gospel. And I want to be faithful to share it with them mm -hmm. and to give them that opportunity to hear the good news and have a chance to respond to it. Mm -hmm. so. Thank you, Linda. And have people responded 
at times? Um, yes, yeah. I mean, many times, usually what I do is I will share my story. I'll ask them, you know, would it be okay if I share my story? And I just, you know, share how I came to Christ. And then I'll ask them, um, has there ever been a time in your life that you've made a decision like that to put your trust in Christ to pay for your sins? And, um, you know, many of them have no idea that, they, that there was a decision to be made, that they needed to put their trust in Christ. And that's kind of how I was. I, I had kind of a works mentality that if I had more good works than bad works, I would go to heaven. But if I had more bad works than good works, I would go to hell. And so I just, you know, share that with them. And, and many of them have that same attitude that, you know, if they have, you know, keep that scale tipped to the good works, you know, they're okay. Yeah. Or they hope they are okay. <laughs> and yeah. um, so many times it's just kind of a revelation to them that, oh, I didn't know that I needed to make a decision. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's such a privilege to be able to, to share that with them and, um, you know, and then give them an opportunity to make that decision right there. And, you know, I've, I've had, yeah, a number of people that have trusted Christ just because that's the first time they heard mm -hmm. that um, they needed to make that decision right. and they respond. Thank you, Linda. Yeah. So Paul says, pray and watch. What does that look like in your guys' lives to pray and watch? One of the things I wanted to share was um, my life is maybe a little different than some in that I kind of have three areas of work in my life. So three different kinds of businesses that I'm involved in. And one of the unwritten rules in all three of those businesses is that business is business and personal is personal. And you don't mix personal hmm. with business. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, but that whole idea that we're supposed to be watching, you can't help but see people hurting. Yeah. And so when I hear stories and they're, they're drawn to me and willing to share the depths of their hurt, and for me to withhold God's answers to all their problems, yeah. it, it's impossible. Yeah. So even though I kind of buy into the whole, you know, business first, take care of business, represent the product professionally, blah, 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 whatever. Often, the Lord pushes me over any of my reservations or mm. rules of thumb or whatever, and I just have to share Jesus with a hurting person. Yeah. And as we talked together, all of us said, oh, it, it's always hard. We're always having to just completely depend on the Holy Spirit to speak. We, we, we don't go, oh, boy, sure, I get a chance to talk today. Much of it is listening, right, and listening. And then the Spirit is prompting us to listen well for what's going on in their life and then prompting us to speak. And I don't know about you, but it's not easy for any of us, right? That's one of the things we talked about. What, what that reminds me of is, is the idea that as we're ready to speak, because we are, it's always, you do it afraid, is what I'd say, is faith takes risk. 
And if you know the love of Jesus that he has for you and what he's done for you, then it makes it worth wanting to give it away. Yeah. And that's, I kind of love the idea of this chair, and I've used it many times. Like, I could sit on this, but if you go through hard times, it's like you're jumping on that. This, if this was the Holy Spirit or God, I love Jesus so much, and they're all three in one, that I would get up and I'd offer you this because I know he's trustworthy and he's faithful. And for me, that's made such a big difference in my life that it makes me worth, it makes it worth doing it afraid. Hmm. I'll tell you, if this is God, he's not very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry, I know just before you went to Israel, I know because I know you, I've been with you, uh, we've worked together for a long time now, and you, I knew we're gonna do this, but you prayed before you went to Israel, you were just there for a week, I know. You and John went together. Tell us what happens. Well, before I went to Israel, I love our prayer group. We have a prayer group Friday mornings, women. So if you want to come out and pray with us, um, that's a women's group. If you want to pray on Sundays, it's at 8 o'clock. But for women, it's 9 o'clock on Friday mornings. And before I left, and I forgot that I prayed this, actually, Steve. I prayed, Marianne reminded me that I had prayed that... If there was anyone that didn't know Jesus, that God would give me opportunity to speak to them. Now, we're going on an Israel trip that is with Maranatha. You would think that everybody's believers. I just am a simple farmer faith that I throw it out and <laughs> trust God for what he's going to do. But while we were there, there was a gal that was on our trip with us, and she had brought her sister. But that gal got sick, and we started caring for her and her sister, and we're really there being the, bo hand, the body of Christ, really. The, the team was there doing that. And in the process, um, the one friend couldn't go to all the events, and so I started hanging around with her sister who came, and she had a religion, but she didn't have a relationship with God. And I thought, how amazing that God put me in her life. And there was one point where we were actually on the Mount of Olives, just, there's a little church up there. And we were all in it, and we started singing. And we're singing Amazing Grace, you know, that saved a wretch like me. And after we were finished, I thought that was so beautiful. And so I thought, let's sing another song, because you know I'm pretty sanguine. <laughs> so I started singing Spirit of the Living God, and no one else seemed to know it. So all of a sudden, I'm singing a <laughs> solo in this little chapel. And there's a few people joining in. But you know, then I just I had to do that afraid, because that's not my favorite thing to do. And so I sang it and finished. And it says, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. And after I finished, and everyone started walking down, I just prayed for a moment. And I'm like, God, I want to be used. And I walked down to where the group was, and our guide was talking, and I walked up beside the gal that I'd been hanging out with, and she had tears in her eyes, and I'm like, Joe, are you okay? And I did ask her permission to speak on this today, and she said, oh, I've just got allergies. I thought, huh, okay. I started praying again, and I'm thinking, I feel, what happens to me is I feel like this, like God in my heart this starts pounding my heart if he wants me to share. And I thought, I don't want to interrupt her from hearing what the guide has to say, but I really feel like God's wanting me to speak to her. And so then God prompted Joe, and Joe leaned over to me and she said, you know, I have some more questions. I have more questions about the religion 
versus relationship. Mm. I said, you want to go back to that little church? And we went up there, and I got to talk with her some more, and she prayed and gave all of her heart and all of her life to Jesus. Yay. And it was beautiful. And you know the thing that was amazing? She called me a few days later, and she's like, what was the name of the church? And so I got online. Um, John was in surgery. I knew he'd remember, but I got online to look it up. And it was called Dominus Flevit. And it says, the Lord wept. And that was the church where Jesus was looking over Jerusalem saying, how I want to gather you. I long to gather you. As a hen gathers his chicks into his arms. I thought, God did that for Joe right there. How beautiful. You know, we prayed that her sister would, we laid hands on her even, expecting her to rise up and be fine. And she didn't in that season. And uh, we're still praying for that to happen. But, you know, God wastes nothing. And the beautiful thing is her sister now has salvation and a personal relationship with Christ. And it wouldn't be the way she would have wanted it, but it's for God's glory. And we're so thankful. Thank you, Sherry. So one of the things I thought is, what's an open door look like for you as you're walking through your day? So you, you guys, I think we all talked about this. That in the morning we pray. In the morning we pray, and you'll probably see some examples of that in your notes. In the morning we pray, we're asking the Lord, Lord, will you speak to us today? You've given us so much, and we want to give it away in some way. And so will you help us to be on watch today? Will you help us to be looking? So what does an open door look like for you? This, none of this is rehearsed, by the way. So have, I think let's just have a few more of it. No, I'm just kidding. What does it look like to have an open door? What are some of the things that happen in your day? How do you recognize God's at work? Well, one of the ways that I look for open doors is I like to um, carry this booklet with me. It's called, Would You Like to Know God Personally? And it's just a simple presentation of the gospel. And um, this, just a few days ago, uh, this past Wednesday, I was actually in Thailand. And uh, we were, it was the end of our time there and we had a little excursion mm. and our tour guide was talking to us about um, how he had become a Buddhist monk. And uh, it was only 11 days that he was a Buddhist monk, but he was talking about how happy it made him. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, telling different things about that and, you know, the process he went through and, and different things. And, um, you know, it's like the Lord just worked in my heart. It was like, you know, his whole idea was, you know, doing certain things to gain favor with God. And um, in my heart, it was like, you know, that's not going to last, you know. Uh, to make you happy. And so when our tour was done, he took us back to our hotel. And I went up to him and I said, um, you know, with this booklet, I said, this is what makes me happy, you know, a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And I want to give it to you and um, encourage you to read it. And he, he took it. He was very thankful. He said, I'll read it tonight. And, um, but you know, it's, I, I like to be prepared when those opportunities come up that even though I might not always have an opportunity to go through it and explain it in detail, they, they have the gospel 
in their hands. Yeah. And I can give it to them as yeah. those opportunities come up. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Yep. What's an open door look like for you? I know that many times we, I mean, I, I remember so well having neighbors named Don and Mary, and they lived next door to us when we were in Dallas. And while we were there, Don and Mary, they're sweet people, sweet kids, easy to talk with. And I loved the smell of his pipe. I'd go over and sit outside with him while he smoked his pipe. Secondhand smoke. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. I, it was a peace pipe, okay? <laughs> and so where I, would, I would go over there and I would chat with him a little bit and we would talk. And so eventually we would get to talk about, I mean, he was like, what are you studying in school and stuff? I'm at seminary, right? Wow, that's an open door. Boom. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about, no. So but we would just talk about life a little bit and talk about the Lord some. But during the summer, Diane and I went back to Fresno, where we're from, for the summer. And a guy came and lived at our house through the summer. He was taking classes. And every week, he would go out and play tennis with Don. And about week five, six with him, Don chose to follow Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. And so when we get back from summer, Don and Mary both have now chosen to follow Jesus. And so we're like, it's so excited and so thrilled about it, right? So we are. Then when I get back, I'm like, how come that didn't happen with me? You know, like, did I do something wrong? You know, a friend of mine told me the story about someone that was dying of a heart condition and a whole bunch of different people joined in and then who saved Brad? Who saved Brad? Yep, yep. And that's the truth of it. We each get a little part, right? We have each have a little part in someone, helping someone. Yep. I love uh, that you say each have a part. And I think it is about relation. Uh, for me, I, um, I was thinking it's about relational when I was listening to your sermon a little bit a few moments ago, wow. realizing that, that relationships matter. And um, what I realized is oftentimes, and I've told my friends, I had a group of rooted gals that went through uh, the rooted group with me and I said sometimes it's like the hummingbird feeder like you just want to be filled up with Jesus but and if you fill yourself up with Jesus then the hummingbirds or the people will start coming they'll see a difference in you mm. and they'll want what you've got mm. and what's fun is because you know I, I am pretty out there sometimes and I said it would be different if I took that hummingbird feeder off the humming off the rack and started chasing the hummingbirds, would they light on it? <laughs> they wouldn't. And so that was my example with my friends. And I've even had friends say to me, put the hummingbird feeder back on the stand. Because <laughs> I get so enthusiastic about what God's done in me. But I also realize that, you know, I can run ahead of God or I can lag behind, but I want to stay steadfast in the spirit. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing to do. I think that's the tension in life is, yeah. God, is this you? Is this not? Is it me? Mm. <laughs> and mm. so, so I think to be um, intentional in my day, that, that's one thing that I ask. John and I always pray first thing in the morning before we get out of bed. And we pray for our family. We pray for our day. We ask God to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is going to yeah. say for that day. Yeah. And uh, then he has to get up and get ready, and I can, you know, listen to my Bible or read yeah. the Word, and that's a great day. Very sweet. Guys, we're out of time, but I'd love to pray with us together. Can we all pray together that the Lord will make us all intentional to hear his Spirit? Father God, I love just being in teamwork with these guys. 
Lord, you have, you have called every one of us different ways, different styles, different people at different times, but you've called us to listen to your spirit. You tell us to be on watch because you're doing great and mighty things all the time. And it's true what Linda said, we know this is a heaven and hell decision. This is a darkness and light. And Lord God, we just pray, will you use us? Use us in the lives of the people and make us influencer, Lord God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Thanks, guys.